Hi, this is Brainy, and this is the Creative Wedding Podcast. Today, I have the Sullivans on. Um, why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, Brandy. I'm Laura. And I'm Tim. And that's who we are. <laughs> uh, you might know us more by our uh, professional name, which is Sullivan and Sullivan Studios, but you probably don't because who knows anyone anymore? <laughs> Do you guys want to introduce the baby too? Is she still oh, yeah. awake? Misa is our four-month-old daughter who's also joining us, eating her puffs, uh, sitting next to us while we interview because she won't nap. Thank you for reminding us How rude of that, me. that your baby's her, there. Her her favorite snack is just eating sheets of seaweed. So if you hear oh, nice. her literally eating nori as we speak. And that's <laughs> not because... She's like a bougie baby. It's just her just like favorite that. snack. She's the perfect baby. <laughs> Did you hear that, Misa? Auntie Brandy loves you. <laughs> so what are we talking about today? What I know you guys have a lot to say about things. <laughs> well, okay. So if you've ever met us or have heard us speak at any kind of workshop or event, you know that our big thing that we love building and growing and teaching to other people is how to take care of your clients properly as you build your business. It's kind of our favorite thing. So, so what does I that mean that, for you all? What does that mean? So our bit, um, I keep saying our big thing. I don't know what, that's like my verbal take of the day. Uh, Taking a step back, um, we built so much of our business when we were traveling together we promised ourselves a long honeymoon and we quickly, when we got on these six months abroad, uh, realized that my wife goes absolutely stir crazy if she doesn't have a project. And so uh, we kind of rolled up our sleeves and, and started asking ourselves what lessons we could learn uh, while we traveled across the world. And one of the biggest ones was uh, how much the two of us just, for lack of a better term, totally get off on customer service. An example would be like in Japan, when you walk into a restaurant, most traditional restaurants, you take your shoes off and you leave them at the door. And when you're on your way out after you've you know finished your delicious meal, they've turned your shoes around so that they're facing the door. And it's the smallest act, but these kind of small acts are, at the end of the day, what makes the client feel held and cared for. And so we kept coming back to the question of like, okay, how can we preemptively take care of our clients before they're even asking for the service right so like answer the question before they even think to ask it as an act of service um, our favorite thing i know your your guys's story is really great um that was one of the my favorite things about um your all's talk at ramble the first time i met you can you guys go into like how you got started in photography uh what part of our story do you like i mean how far i mean how far back can i go i was born in I mean, mid <laughs> maybe just go back to like Thailand. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, you just said not. You don't want everything from the beginning. Um, I mean, so, if you if you want, we can make a series. No, I definitely think I like your life story. We're okay. not going to fight about if I was born earlier, mid eighties. What's eighty four? <laughs> I think that's mid. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so in Thailand, we had, we left for this honeymoon and we had already photographed, we had been running a business together in Seattle previously. We ran a big yoga studio, uh, downtown, which kind of was a crash course in 
client care, customer relationships, and how to run a big business. And our the owner of the studio, our, our boss was a former Nordstrom VP. And so we kind of just learned, we got immersed fully in the Nordstrom philosophy of customer service. And I think that that was honestly one of the greater pieces of education that I've ever had. So by the time we left for Thailand, we had kind of started dabbling in photography and shot a couple weddings. We were like, oh, this is kind of fun. We like this. And then we were gone for six months thinking, okay, so when we come back, if we want to get serious about starting our business, what kind of systems do we need to set in place now so that future clients can just enter into this system that's been created for them as kind of not only a gift for them, but also a gift for us to keep ourselves organized, to keep the train rolling. Um, like I remember when we first started, it was like, okay, so they'll sign the contract on this platform and then they'll sign, they'll pay us on this platform and then this and this and this. And we were like, this is not going to work if we have more than two clients because I'm not organized. I need something. <laughs> so it was just kind of six months of not only brainstorming what we wanted for the creative side of the business and learning how to be better at photography, but also really diving into how to copyright, how to speak to our ideal client. Yeah. Kind of don't love the phrase ideal client, but learning how to copyright, learning how to set up a website and learning how to create these systems that clients could be like, oh, these guys really have their shit together. And I remember so clearly we had been kind of like piecing together this website and nothing was quite right. And then we did a, like, we holed up in Thailand. We did two weeks where we were beta testers for show it. And we basically wrote, designed and built an entire website in two weeks, like focusing on nothing else. We built it from scratch. And as soon as we clicked launch, we had like three inquiries. And I was like, babe, this is what we needed was to kind of create this space for clients. And it was crazy to me how fast those clients kind of responded to the work we put into it. So that meandering story is to say that any work you do on the back end will be clients will respond to it if you're intentional and thoughtful and you do it with their uh, best interests in mind. I sometimes think about a really good dinner party. And if you were to have the most incredible meal ever, like that obviously is, is the crux of the dinner party. But when you show up, if they don't, uh, like, let's say you show up and the first, they, they don't take your jacket. The first thing they do is they take you to the, you, their uh, back office where they have all their like awards and trophies and they show you like well these are all of the awards that I won and this is the time that I was a math Olympian in the early 80s um, mid 80s <laughs> you'd be not only like bored out of your mind but you're like who is this nut job and we some what I would equate this to is sometimes when you show up on it, they could be the most skilled photographer ever, but you get to their website and the first thing they have is like launching into their accomplishments or having a big bar of everywhere they've been featured on. Not only as the person who's receiving the photographs, not only do I like not care, but I'm like, who is this like crazy person? Or what you, is Rangefinder? Yeah, exactly. No one, knows, yeah. no one knows what that is. And instead, what I want is if I'm having a dinner party, I want you to have a drink in your hand in the first minute. I want you to know where the bathroom is. I want you to know where your coat goes. I, know, I want you to feel like you know where to sit. I want you to feel like you're right at home and like, thank God, finally, you've come to a place that kind of like your vibes connect with and that you can just like sit. Drink. Yeah. <laughs> Misa agrees. Sit, drink a glass of wine and be yourself. And that to me 
is how I want our website to come across, how I want our client interactions to come across, and uh, how I want our dinner parties to go. So what's one of the most important things for people to have on their websites to show that they actually care about their clients? Because a lot of photographers' websites are not good. Um, yeah. And they're pretty bad. They only talk about themselves and yeah. not about the client. It's not just photographers. There's so m- I mean, we pick apart websites now that we build them for our clients, too. We're like, oh, there's so much out there that we're like, why do people keep copying each other? With yeah. our websites. This is so crazy. Um, the number one thing that you have to have on your website, if you are a ph- photographer or launching any kind of small business, is exactly what you can do to help your client. It doesn't, if you have awards that you've won, that's great. And I do think that having that social proof is a good thing to have on your website, but it only matters as far as it matters to what the client will get from you. So, there's really no reason to have all this. Like, I mean, personally, I hate when it's like, my favorite ice cream is this. And my, I'm like, no one cares about your favorite ice cream. They care. Are they going to be awkward in front of the camera? They care. Are they going to have a good, like if you're selling a physical product, are they going to have a good return policy on the item? Like I just returned a Christmas present um, from LL Bean. Got to call them out by name because I'm like, guys, get with the program. The return process was like 45 minutes. I had to get on the phone with somebody. I had to pay for all this shipping. It was just this whole ordeal. And I'm like, if I will never buy from them again, because it was such a holy hassle. But if LLB, like if, if you can help your customer and you can explain to them exactly how you're different and how you help them, then that's the one thing you have to have on your website above an impeccable portfolio, above a detailed about page, your client has to connect with what they're going to get from you. Yeah, that's that's one of the things you guys told me about my website um, a couple of years ago that I wasn't living up to the potential of what I offer. But then you said Seth's website was perfect, so I'm still better. <laughs> um, I've had an abnormally good website so. in that web review and I don't <laughs> understand what was going on. And also looking at now, so we're all just growing together. I mean, we are in the process of redoing our website right now. Uh, during this time too, because we're like, man, we learn something new every week about how to do it better and how to be better and how to provide more to the client. So we're in the middle of rewriting everything too. It's kind of a fun, I think it's really fun because you get to keep growing as your business. I do too. I'm actually doing that too. I'm going through an entire rebrand. So it's a lot of fun for me. Um, Did I see your new logo somewhere? Is that? um, I've posted some of the drafts in my stories. I think. And in the um, creative group, she's not done yet, but she should be done soon. I'm so excited to see it. I am too. I think it'll be really fun. Um, So what changes are you guys making to your website right now? Because your website's already perfect. Oh, wow. You're an angel. Um, Well, I do love the idea of rebranding. What I will... I mean, we could probably talk for a couple hours about branding because we love it. Um, but I think that for us, like we, when we used to rebrand, we would be like, okay, we need a new color scheme a new fonts a new this and that. And now when we re- we're not rebranding, we're rebranding uh, movable feast retreats, our other business. Uh, we are in the middle of, we were going to launch that last week, but then, you know, the world kind of, yeah, we knew, we, really? <laughs> we did rebrand movable feast retreats 
Um, so that'll be out in April, but the rebrand for Sullivan and Sullivan, we're kind of just doing a full copyright review. We are updating our portfolio a little bit, but we're just kind of always tweaking the language and tweaking the structure so we can express what we want to offer to our clients more simply and quickly. And so that's kind of what we're working on. Sense. We can just do so much other stuff for the rebrand for, for mobile, but it doesn't always have to be a full rebrand. That's the other thing that we tell our clients is you, you can update your copy and update your feel without having to do a rebrand. Cause I think branding also includes a lot of things like what your clients feel when you're with, when they're with you, what they, what their takeaways are when they are done doing business with you. Uh, it's, it's a lot very of true. like your, your logo. I think that's what people kind of get caught up on, but it's more than that. Yeah. It's not, it's not just a logo and colors. Um, so how are you translating like the copy on your website to the interactions you have with your clients? Ooh, what a good question, Brandy. So I think one of the, you know, during this time of COVID-19, when uh, photographers, if they have a head on their shoulders, are being safe and staying home to keep themselves, their families, and the entire community at large safe. Uh, yes. I've heard some talk of like, I use a long lens. No, stay home, please. All right. So <laughs> Yeah, I, during, I could talk about that for hours. <laughs> yeah. During this time when we all are staying home as responsible adults, uh, you suddenly have a heck of a lot of time on your hands to take inventory of everything that your client interacts with from the first time they hear your name until a year after the photos that you've delivered to them have been delivered. So that means the contracts, that means the FAQs, that means the emails you send them, that means the response to their initial inquiry. Uh, that means uh, a big one for us is we would deliver a wedding album and we had a close friend who loved her photos and she said, wow, I love the photos, but it's really a tough experience to look at 600 photos of yourself, which is yeah. not something that we had never really thought of before. It is overwhelming and you do want to, you do get self-critical and you do think this, that, or the other thing. So now when we <laughs> deliver a wedding in order to actually get to your photos, you have to click through a 15 step process with little bits of copy that puts you in the right mental space to even view the wedding photos to begin with. Um, that sort of. That's so nice. Misa agrees, but that's the kind of inventory that I'm talking about. So it's, yes, it's the copy in your about page, but more than that, it's everything that your client interacts with the entire time that you know them. I think to also answer that a little bit more of that question, uh, when you and I first talked, Brandy, I was talking about how the importance of creating that space for a client to walk into has become imperative in the last month because clients are scared. Obviously, every, every business owner is also scared, but clients are scared. And so if you're creating a space for them to walk into where it's like, you're proactive in reaching out to them. You are speaking directly to the fears that you know they already have. Usually for copywriting, we say, oh, okay, go through your DMs, go through your emails, go through every conversation you've had with your clients and use their, use their exact language to speak to them and their future fears. We don't even need to do that right now. We know what all their fears are. <laughs> there's there's yeah. a lot. So it's almost like the easiest time to create that space for your clients because it's like, the fears are right there. So if you can reach out to them proactively and explain your policies, have policies in place that not only keep your business afloat, but take care of the client, 
um, and then and then yeah, baby, and then speak to them as fellow humans, then that is going to go such a long way uh, when they're already feeling <laughs> nervous about uh, they're feeling nervous, they're feeling overwhelmed. And you can you could you're in a unique position to help them navigate that while keeping your business steady. If I see one more photographer post per my contract about okay, that's offering refunds, like yeah, don't talk to your clients like <laughs> okay, exactly what my point exactly what I'm trying to yeah. say. Like yeah, yes, don't over contract. I was just talking to Tim about this. None of us have examined our contracts to be like, is this covering a pandemic? I mean, before yeah. a month ago, obviously now we have, but we're <laughs> we're not like, and this covers all these like potential things that could go wrong, which means that your client hasn't really either. And so if you're if you're coming to them in any situation with a per my contract and then get really formal and get really yeah, uh, big box. It's like we all get those emails, like how Walmart's dealing with COVID nineteen. Uh, okay, I don't you're, really care. Yeah, exactly. Like you're in a special <laughs> position to not have to speak like that to your client. And if you come at them with an aggressive sense that like you're gonna win, they're gonna respond to that in a way that you will not like. And not that you can control your client's behavior anyway, but in general, the way you behave to them opens the door for them to know how to treat you. And that's true no matter whether or not there's a pandemic, whether or not there's things going on, you are you are setting the scene for how, you're, how your client interacts with you and how they're treating you. And so you better make it a good one because it's going to come right back to you. Yeah. I, you know, I've told everyone I will reschedule your wedding for free. I don't care. Like this isn't about me. It's not about my money. Like it's not it's a pandemic. Like I'm not going to be an asshole and be like, Oh, you have to pay this fee to reschedule or, um, you can't have money back at all because your wedding's canceled. Right. So yeah, I'm very sick of Facebook groups right now. Uh, right. Because was, of all of this. There's one group that I'm in that I loved what I saw someone do. And I want to say it's two man studios who did this. But I'm considering starting this too, where they said if you, I mean, this is like kind of specifics, but if uh, you are rescheduling your Saturday wedding in 2020 to 2021, we will reschedule uh, to a Friday or Sunday for no fee. Actually, don't quote me on all these numbers and all these dates, but if you're rescheduling uh, for a Saturday in 2020 to a Saturday in 2021, then it's a certain amount of money for a change fee because then you're kind of protecting your business from all the losses yeah. that we're going to have next year. And by and large in that group, people who had implemented that gently and kindly to their clients had gotten no pushback because they were creating a space to explain to their clients their point of view while also keeping their clients' best interest in, at heart. And I think that people always, like people tend to see it as an all or nothing thing of like, either I'm rolling over and losing all my money or I'm going to like stick it to them with my contract. And it's not like that. And I really love being a small business owner for that reason, because you can be very, very specific with how you are creating these spaces for your client to feel cared for. And you don't have to check yep. it through your boss's boss. You can just <laughs> do it. You can just do it. Yep. Yep. That's great. Have you had any pushback from any of your clients or has everyone been pretty open well, I will just preface this by saying that we have literally the world's best clients in history that anybody has ever had. I am obsessed with them. 
And so, yeah, we never like knock on wood. We never have issues with our clients, period. And I am so grateful for that. We've been in business for four and a half years. And I, I, I hear my wife and saying that she's so grateful because our clients literally are the best. However, the back end work going back to that time and time, yeah. that, we've made sure that every interaction that we have with our clients, <clears throat> they feel like when they enter into our space, they know that they're cared for. And we do that through copy and we do that through actions. Uh, and within that, there comes a, a respect of like, they're kind of, they're on our turf, they're on our playground and uh, they know the rules and the parameters. And within those rules and parameters, they get to have the, the greatest party of their lives. Um, and that relationship that we are able to set up means that like, we never get the weird email. I we're love gonna, that. We're going to actually get one now that we've said all this, but um <laughs> We, yeah, I think it's been really important to us to set the parameters of how it looks like to interact with us or through us. Like we, um, I will talk a little shit if I think it's valid, but I'm not going to talk shit about Walmart. I'm not going to talk shit about Brandy to a mutual friend, you know, because the world is really small. And I think that whatever vibe you're putting out there will come back to you. So if we were, if we were talking shit's kind of an aggressive example, but if we were kind of being in any way underhanded or shady, I think this is true for any industry and any human interaction that will come back to you. Like I always think about the girls in middle school who are like, Oh, I hate drama. Oh. And I'm like, you're talking about drama all the time. Like you're drawing it to you. And like, you're always the one that's in drama. And so I kind of think about your, our business like that of like, all I see are these beautiful people who land in our inbox and want to work with us. And it just tends to be that way. Like you kind of, and if we were to respond to any of their emails with, as per our contract, we were, it's then like, they would probably turn their behavior too. Yeah. There'd be some drama. Yeah. We would create sure. our drama. Yeah. I think you kind of create yeah. what you want to, what you want to experience with your business. And that's not to say that there's not a one-off, you know, occasionally that you're like, whoa, didn't see that one coming. But in general, you're creating the parameters. And I always, like you're talking about the Facebook groups. And I always say this to Tim too. Uh, people will be in those groups and be like, or if, you know, they'll be like, <laughs> they'll be like, my clients are doing this and they're doing this and they're walking all over me. And I just am like, I would love to see every single email that you've sent with them. I would love to see the copy on your website because I can guarantee that you open the door for whatever behavior your client is doing in some way. Like you teach people how they're going to treat you. And especially in the middle of these crazy times, if you're succumbing to panic or fear or being like, I don't know, what do you guys want to do for your client? Like that's not creating a, a space for them to feel cared for. You can, that totally is so true. you can be panicking behind the scenes, but never, and this is true for any time, like never let your clients feel that you're scared or that you don't know what you're doing. Like you will figure it out and you'll rise to meet yourself. Even if you don't, even if none of us really know how this is going to shake out or three or six months. Yep. So what are some things that people can start doing? I've been working a lot with like my mentees on their client communication um, because they've mostly been really formal um, with their clients. I'm like, that's not you. Why are you <sighs> yeah. talking like this? Um, your clients don't care about you being formal. You are yeah. a photographer. Yeah. You're not a lawyer. Right. And um, like they so want a fun experience. Like don't, don't yeah. give them the experience of having a fun photographer. Come on. Um, so yeah, what are some things that people can do moving forward to make this a better experience for their clients and for them? 
Okay, so what I will start with um, on your note there is that professionalism does not equal formality. And I think that's a really common mistake when you're first starting out is that if you're being really formal, then that means you're professional. You can be super formal and not professional at all, or you can say swear words in your emails or uh, really send irreverent, weird things to your clients, but still be super professional because professionalism is the structures that you have in place to take care of them and your willingness to follow through on taking care of them and keeping your personality in the mix of that is part of the package. So that's just my little side note about the emails because that's really an important thing that I didn't like. I think I sent formal emails for like a week and I was like, I can't run a business like this. I'm going to die. I'm so bored of myself. Anyway. Yeah. What can we do? Uh, reach out. Okay. So always, if you know what your client's question is going to be, answer the question before they even think they have to ask it. And that's true for any time. But right now you do not have to guess what your client's questions are. If you have a client, uh, in June, you know what their question is going to be. And so being proactive is my first thing. Like I, I'm rolling through the months this year and I'm not doing them all at once because I don't want people to feel like if I'm emailing you about my, your July wedding, I don't want you to be like, Oh my gosh, should I, should I, did I miss something? Like, should I be the one that's worrying about this? I started three weeks ago with March weddings, then April, then May. So I'm just kind of rolling through the year. So people know, Um, but being proactive about explaining what your contract is in a gentle way, not saying per my contract, just saying, Hey guys, I'm checking in. Uh, it's looking like things are getting really crazy. I'm sure you're super nervous. And I just want you to know, I have your back. Here's what's going on with rescheduling. You have, this is what I sent. You have top priority for dates for the rest of the year over new clients. We're still booking new clients this year, obviously not super fast, but uh, you have priority for the any dates for the rem- remainder of 2020. Um, should you decide to switch, there's no fee. We want to take care of you. I'm so freaking sorry this is happening to you right before you get married. Oh my gosh. And then I send that email and let them decide what's going on. Um, new clients, I'm telling them we will book you as normal. And then if you if we get closer to the date and you need to switch, then we will bump you to 2021. We'll just discuss it then. So basically it's just kind of saying like, we have your back and we're a step ahead of you and you can, and you can trust that we're going to take care of you. And I don't like, like I had one client reach out for like further ahead than I was emailing and I felt really bad. I feel really bad when clients email me about something before I can email them about it. Cause that means that they were worried about it enough to open their phone and type out a quick email to me. And my goal is to never have that happen. <laughs> like I want yeah. them to do it for me first. Do you have anything to add to that? topic? No. (laughs) I guess I'm just a genius who did it by myself. I've been, um, I only had like two weddings for the spring. So I reached out to the planners first. So I didn't like panic my couples, um, because the planners are really amazing. One of my planners moved an entire wedding in 24 hours, like Uh, with all the vendors. It was amazing. Yeah. She's amazing. I'm very excited. I love that. And that's another great thing that I uh, have also done, which is those planners are stressed as, am I allowed to say a swear? Yeah, you can cuss. I don't care. Well, they're stressed as fuck because they are like planning all these vendors and they're taking care of their clients and trying to be the cool heads. Um, Probably amongst other vendors who are not being quite as cool and collected. Um, Yeah. 
And so I emailed all the planners that we've ever, basically that we've ever worked with and just said, here are the dates that we still have open Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays for the rest of the year. They're going to go quick. But if you have a client who maybe uh, lost a deposit or needs to like rebook somebody new because their photographer isn't available, here are the dates that were available. So just reach out if I can help you with anything. Like we were kind of all scrambling together. And so I emailed all of those all of those planners just um, to have our name at the top of the inbox because I also am ready to work. I was <laughs> I was kind of like, yeah. I was saying at the end of last year, I would love to do some maternity leave and just chill. And then this happened and I was like, not like that. So yeah, I'm just kind of trying to reach out to vendors and make sure that um, if they need help, I feel like we're all kind of scrambling in a way. And so if we can support each other, I will also happily pass on not not happily. I want to keep all of our clients, but if I can help my fellow photographers and like trade clients, if we mixed up our dates or whatever it is, like we just want to be available in the industry because any given season of missed work is not worth sacrificing your reputation or your good your goodwill in the industry or with your clients. So like I will also say that I've been trying to meditate a lot and this is this is from a place of having a bit of a savings account from the last couple of years of weddings, but focusing on revenue. Like I see people going, like Tim was saying with a six foot lens, like I see people doing like front porch things and things like that. And I'm like, okay, those people are focusing on revenue, which to me, I don't want to spend this time trying to cobble together like 20 bucks. I want to have it be solid. So even though we are losing money this season, we are deepening relationships and de- deepening our processes because Revenue over profit is a short-term solution, but not long-term. Granted, if you have to put food on the table tomorrow, you got to do what you got to do. But um, yeah. I'm trying to think more long-term about like, okay, this season might be totally shot and that we will recover from that. Yeah. And that's that's one of the reasons I started giving everyone like free education stuff in the group. I'm like, you guys are bored. You need to work on stuff. Yeah. Um, and this is how you're processing your stress. Here you go. And I know a lot of people aren't processing their stress that way, but it seems to be helping at least a handful of people. That's Um, great. And it's just like being open and reading the room, I guess. Reading Um, the room is like perfectly said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So when you're shooting a wedding, do you change like your personalities or anything or do you try to stay calm or just yourself the entire day. We are like super formal and we don't do jokes um, and we about do, anything. And we try to like, I pick a different movie character for every wedding. <laughs> yeah. Like, like the last wedding I shot, I was uh, Jack Nicholson in The Shining. I was Nice. Yeah, that's so settling yeah. and calming for yeah. a bride about to walk down the aisle for so sure. So right as she was about to walk down, <laughs> branded her with an ax. Um, uh, no, I think that half of fun that we have in weddings is that we usually we both get booked for weddings and we love hanging out and we love um we're definitely uh would we change our personalities we're definitely like I kind of get more in work mode and I'm like we gotta get this freaking shot and I don't want to like I don't want Tim to bother me but (laughs) on a dance floor like we will get down and I'll get on Tim's shoulders and get the shot from above and we just have like a good old time and I think that I, okay, so this is another thing that I always say to our uh, mentees is that when you show up on a wedding day, your vibe will determine so much of the bridal party and the couples and the family's vibe. Because if you're like 
Like, I feel like, I feel like everyone has a horror story about family photos on a wedding day where they were like, and the photographer was screaming at us. And I was like, yeah, it's probably because you yes. weren't or like listening to the photographer at all, but it's not your, you have to have, you have to provide a good experience for those people because they're going to remember it and they're trying to have a good time. We have a really good friend who is one of the most successful makeup artists in the Seattle area. And she is the most uh, quiet, um, unexpressive in a way, uh, sort of more retreating presence. Uh, and she was told that she would never make it in makeup by a very, very just sort of like ostentatiously large personality saying like, girlfriend, you have to be like 10 times bigger than what you are because that's what people are looking for in a makeup artist. And obviously that didn't vibe with just who she is. And so she has this very like sort of almost like maternal presence. And so many brides have come to us being like, thank you so much for recommending her because she was the calm before the storm of my wedding day. And that's what I felt like enveloped by. Um, and so for us too, we were at weddings every single weekend and we're the only ones whose energy, like, yes, we want to bring the energy and we want to bring the fun, but we also want to be able to ground our couples. And uh, like right before a first look, I usually will coach the groom in some way of just saying like, look, don't try to play a part. Don't try to like cry on command. Don't try to react any other way than making her feel like the most beautiful woman in the world. And I, you know, usually have just seen her. So I'm like, and honestly, that shouldn't be a very hard job for you right now, but just love on your woman. And I feel like that sort of grounding presence is equally as important as uh, getting down on the dance floor or showing that you have like a professional uh, handle on all of the stressful situations. Um, so do I, we I love that. No. Do you need to be the life of the party? No. Do you need to be, you know, the wise, wise sage giving, doling out advice? No, you just need to be who you are and be confident in that. And within that, you will, uh, I guarantee you, have a far more successful wedding day. Yes. Um, I've worked with some people before who were very high energy, for lack of a better word. Um <laughs> And it was clearly stressing everyone out. And oh, and they like, weren't what are you doing? It's yeah, like, I'm like being high energy is what the room needs because they're like, uh, in a different space that they should be. But yeah, sometimes it's just like it's not about you. That's the other thing is like your client is the Beyonce, and so if you're trying to be the Beyonce all day, it's like, um, what's the planners? What is Martin Short's name in uh, that Steve Martin movie when he's the wedding planner? Early eighties. Do you know what I'm talking about, Brandy? Are you too young for that? I, I father might be too father, young. Father of the bride. Okay, so Martin Short plays with like wedding planner and father of the bride, and obviously it's hilarious. But it's like the Martin Short show. People don't necessarily really need that, but if yeah. it's you, and you can like read the room if I want to bring it, then yeah, you got to be a people person. That's for sure. Whether or not you're shy or outgoing, you have to be for people and not for yourself. Do you think you can learn how to read a room or is that just something people are born with? Yeah, I think it's innate for some people. And I also think that it's a learned skill that you can keep growing into. What do you think, Tim? Uh, skill is an interesting word because I feel like then it's like, okay, well, I want to take a course on reading the room. For me, I think it's a matter of, I don't want to say like a mindfulness or meditation, but if you're able to just kind of like step back and stop whatever your monkey brain is doing and actually examine how people are reacting to given energetic input, 
like that's how you read a room but you have to get out of your own head to do it yeah and you have to like approach it with a servant's heart yeah i feel like that's something you guys are really good at so for people who aren't that great at it how would you suggest they you know take a step back and learn how to read the room Mm, thanks for the compliment that's really nice you're welcome um that's a really good question that I don't know if I have a complete answer to. Uh, I would say that for me, I have gotten really obsessed. Okay. So when I was in middle school, I was super shy and I wanted to be outgoing. Like I just wanted to be one of those kids who like bopped around um, and was outgoing. And so I basically for all of eighth grade completely faked it and like pretended like I wasn't scared of everybody and pretended like I wasn't shy and then it just became my personality, like the personality that I wanted to have. I faked it and what I thought it would look like. And I, I know that that's kind of controversial advice to fake it until you make it. But I truly believe that if there's like a higher vision of yourself that you want to embody, think like you have to think, what would this look like if I were like this? And so like for reading the room, it's like, okay, so if I were a person who were really good at reading the room, I would like be spending more time observing quiet interactions, quiet facial expressions, like the way people laugh, the way people speak to each other, like when the room gets quiet, it's just like kind of observing those like subtle things, like beyond what people are just saying. I feel like there's a, there's a Mr. Rogers Renaissance going on right now with multiple movies coming out about him. And uh, there's a line where his wife is talking about him and saying, like, he's not just a living saint. Like, he's not a perfect human. He just works at it every single day. And anyone who talked to Mr. Rogers said that when he talked to you, you felt like you were the only person in the universe. He remembered everyone's name. He remembered everyone's life's details. And he would go out of his way to make them feel seen. And I feel like in a certain way, like, you can't just, like, show up to a wedding day and uh, immediately take a step back, take three breaths and be like, okay, I've now read the room. It's something that you have to cultivate each and every day. And it gets down to like who you are and how you interact with other humans. And that the depth of that practice is, is a lifelong practice that, uh, you know, not only have very few perfected, but no one has perfected. And it's all just an ongoing process of uh, becoming a better human to other humans. That's nice. I agree with that. I like that very much. Yeah. Um, I I really think that reading the room can make or break a career and like, especially photographers, um, because it is so important to do. Um, if you're not doing it, you're not going to get the reviews that you probably want, like the rave reviews. Um, yeah. Because if you make yeah. people feel bad you know, on their wedding day. Or if you even make them feel you, not fully seen. Like, you yeah. Feel it, bad to have it be not a great experience. You can make them feel, I don't know, yeah. just kind of like glossed over. And yeah, even if the photos are beautiful, they're still right. going to remember how they felt. Exactly. Remembering yeah. how they felt when the photo was taken is a huge thing that we like. Our photos are yeah. fine. They're fine. They're not what we hang our hat on. <laughs> um, are you sure? Because I've seen yeah. your raw files. Okay, and that's they're really, pretty amazing. That's really loving. Um, but it's not like to me. It's like, yeah, we're we will never be the best of the best in photography, and we have accepted it and we have moved on from it. But what we can say is that if you look at your photo, you will remember feeling loved when that photo was taken, and that's 
valuable in and of itself too. I feel like for me, yeah. it expands outside of who our clients are on a given wedding day. And more than people finding us via SEO or like, I have just the right words on the website or whatever. I feel like we book so many clients just from like, they were a friend of one of the bridesmaids who was there at the wedding that day. And they saw us interact with a grandma a certain way. And they knew that they wanted us to be their wedding photographers because of the love that we showed the grandma. You know, it's. That means so much to us. Like that means more to me than having, like, I obviously I like when people like our photos, but (laughs) that is really valuable to me. What Tim just said, like, yeah more important is in terms of our legacy of what I want for our legacy. Um, like I, I don't know that I'm ever going to be like this great, amazing artist, but I want people to feel loved when they're with us. And that's how they should feel when you're like dealing with COVID-19. Yes. I <laughs> agree. You gotta, you gotta put love into it. Cause none of us really know what's going on and we got to love each other through it. Yes. Per our contract. Per our contract, <laughs> per our contract, do our best to <laughs> do love and not panic. Per our contract, we have to love you. <laughs> it's right there. I should I should probably rewrite our contract to include not only pandemics but love. Love. You should. That'd be really cute. I'm, I wonder how many people would actually read it and be like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, all the lawyers would be like, um... Could we remove the one? <laughs> Section four, object B. This seems odd. This seems weird. I don't know if I want that. Um, yeah, that's that on that. <laughs> Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about when it comes to client approach? I mean, we could probably talk for hours, but I feel like that's kind of where we're where we are right now with this whole... yeah pandemic is if we get to in our own heads and not in a service mindset, then we're like, oh shit, what is even going on? But then we just try to flip it back around and be of service first. And then it, it calms our brains too to be like that. Yeah. The uh, so- only thing that I'll throw out there is just in terms of guarding and uh, maintaining your own mental health. And I realize there's the short term of like, oh my gosh, what if what if everyone over the next two months cancels? What if everyone this summer cancels? What if everyone in 2020 cancels? And then, it, you know, you keep going down the rabbit hole to you're like, wait a minute, what if like the marriage, the wedding industry in general starts to totally go out the door and gatherings of 150 to 200 people is no longer a thing for them? That's, I feel like what I hear a lot of the mental states going in, including, you know, in my, in my darker hours, my own. And the... Uh, the, the hope that I have that gives me hope is that we will constantly show up for ourselves, for our communities and those around us. And that means if the wedding industry does totally shift, we are small enough to be able to shift with it. We are servants, you know, service-based enough to be still be able to serve clients. Photography has been around for hundreds of years. It's not going anywhere. Um, our small little corner of this world may shift and with it, uh, know that you're going to show up for yourself within it. Yeah. One thing that I blogged about um, a couple weeks ago was that nothing is ever wasted and no work that you put into your business or you're building your relationships with clients or building your skill sets is ever wasted. Even if none of like, even if tomorrow none of us could be photographers ever again, everything that you've built and created and learned will be useful in whatever iteration we move to next. So 
nothing's ever lost and nothing's ever wasted. And I like to meditate on that in my darker moments because it all will keep building and morphing as we do. On that note, do you have any advice for the newer photographers or the photographers that weren't prepared for this um, that might possibly lose their business? Like how to stay positive and get back into work when it happens? Yeah, I think that, um, well, I have a lot of thoughts on that. One being that no career is ever static. Even if you're employed by someone else, your career is never going to just stand in one place. I don't think that model is an old model that no longer applies to our generation. So, or anybody even remotely close to our generation. Um, So I would say that yes, photography could be your passion that may not pay for a while. And that's fine too. You, You have a lot of other skills and a lot of other things that you could do with your time and with your business that would be serviceable. The other thing that I love to think about is how you may not be the best in the world at one thing, but at the intersection of two things that you love, you could become the best in the world. So like our business mentor, Ramit, R-A-M-I-T, you should look him up, um, is obsessed with sales and human psychology. And so he's not ever going to be like the best at either one of those, but where those two things meet, he is incredible. And so photography by itself, without a niche or without any of anything else propping it up, may or may not be your thing, but whatever other niche you can kind of create with it, you could create a whole new, a whole new industry that hasn't even been invented yet. And I think that's really encouraging. Um, like for us, like we loved travel and guiding travel. And so we have kind of created some offshoots. We love branding. We love writing and like I've always written. And so copywriting is becoming maybe a little bit bigger part of our business right now, but there's never just, I don't know, photography is really sexy and everybody can buy a camera and it's kind of, uh, it's a really popular industry, but it's waiting for somebody to kind of blow it open with other things that they're interested in and good at. And so I guess along that note, I would say if you are new and you're starting out and you're feeling a little bit scared, get off of the Facebook groups and stop paying attention to other photographers. That's true, whether or not we're in a pandemic. Anyway. Except for Brandy Potter and her Except for Brandy Potter. Well, it's just like, don't don't necessarily look at your peers. Like I always like to look at people who are doing the kind of life that I want to live and then just kind of see what they're doing that's different from the norm. And so if you are feeling nervous about losing your business in photography and you are new, this is a great freaking time to lose your business in photography because a trial by fire early on, I think is kind of a gift in a lot of ways. Um, And you can't ever lose your business. You'll never lose all the relationships that you have. You'll never lose your skill set. Losing. I don't like when people say that phrase, losing your business. Um, Because what are you even talking about? Like you're, you're going without bookings for a few months or maybe a year, but you're not losing your business. And so I would say take heart in that because everything is rebuildable and a trial by fire can also kind of whittle down the things that you really are passionate about. Um, I mean, for us, we're trying to treat this time as a gift too. Of like, what are the things that we're doing that are not efficient or serving us or building the life that we want to live? And let's get rid of those things because what do we have to lose? <laughs> like, yeah, we don't have a lot to lose right now in terms of uh, bookings. And so we can kind of use that time to build something new and be creative. So I would just say, don't let the fear take over and let it be a time of creativity and inventiveness to the best of your ability. I love you all so much. We love you so much. 
I'm miss so you. proud of you. I'm so proud of everything that you're building. It's really freaking fun to watch you blow up. Don't. I'm going to cry now. Stop. I'm not going to because if I see someone else cry, then I also cry. Oh my gosh. Tim just pulled a loaf of bread out of the oven that he baked with his mitts. Is it sourdough? <laughs> not. Still working on it. Are you happy with this loaf of bread that you just made? I don't know. You I'm... seem like you're disappointed in the way it looks. Well, it's got like. Um... <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> stay tuned on this loaf. On that note, where can people find you? Uh, our Instagram is Sullivan and Sullivan Studios because someone has Sullivan and Sullivan and they're not using it. It's nice. really rude. And then our website is uh, SullivanAndSullivanStudios.com. Our travel uh, company is Movable Feast Retreats. You can find us online or on Instagram. Wait, Instagram is online. You can find us on yes. our website or on Instagram. Movable Feast Retreats is our other bit. Thank you guys so much for being on. Thank um, you, Brandy. Thanks for having us. I, lo I love you so much. We love you so much. Thank you, B. You're welcome. <laughs>